Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're right in the middle of what we do every year called Back to Basics, and we're in week three, the third Sunday this month. Uh, Week three... And we talk about uh, the third, if you will, important principle about science of mind. And that's interesting. It certainly is found in all of the world's religions, uh, portrayed different ways. Uh, Here, though, we tend to summarize it as our thoughts become things. And so let me talk to you a little bit about that. You might have heard it as the law of cause and effect. You might have heard about it as the nature of our minds tend to organize our lives. Uh, you might have even heard it in terms about the energy I put out uh, tends to come back to me. So we call it here, we tend to call it the law of cause and effect anyway. And so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that today. First of all, we believe that it, uh, one of the key ways of using this force is in prayer. We're all about doing prayer work here. We think that it helps direct our minds in a way that it's easy for God to pick up on and what we pray about comes to fruition. And in fact, one of the reasons I love prayer is that when we do a prayer, it really organizes our thinking in terms of what we want to see in the world. It's like I I dare you to do a prayer and not visualize that which you're seeking, whether it's the healing of a body, whether it's getting a great new job, uh, whether it's a prayer for a loved one in trouble, isn't it just so much easier to visualize that life going correctly, that, that healed body, that brand new job? And it's one of the reasons I think that we do focus so much on prayer. But I want to also make a suggestion that if God is truly all there is, and God is present always, always, do you think that God stops listening to us when we're finished with our prayer? See, there's a little bit of the trouble. Have you noticed that your mind is just running all the time? (laughs) Not, Not just when you're in prayer, right? There's sometimes I wish there was just a little switch up here like a a robot and I could go, you know, switch that crazy mind of mine off because I think that's so much so often and so completely why it appears sometimes that our prayers aren't answered. It's because we do our prayers and they're beautiful and they're solid and then our mind starts going and adding on to it, explaining why I'm not worthy of it, explaining why I'm never going to have it, explaining why people like me don't get to have that, explaining why people my age don't get a new job, explaining all of the reasons why I can't have the very thing that I just did a beautiful and powerful prayer about. So one of the things that we teach in the science of mind is that we actually have to have and exercise some dominion over our thinking. Does anybody here, uh, shall I say, recognize in themselves a tape that plays around in your head over and over again? 
Now, some of those tapes are good, right? If you have a tape playing around in your head along the lines of, you can do this, you're going to be fabulous. Even though you're a first-timer at this, you're always able to rise to the occasion. Today's going to be a great day, and everything's going your way, right? And sometimes, don't we have that tape? Don't we have that optimism and enthusiasm for life that is there even in the midst of adversity? But what about the other tape? What about Larry's nine-year-old tape? When I was nine years old, I came home with an art project that I was so very proud of. Uh, In fact, I think somewhere in in like a cedar chest of my mom's is a picture of it. Because years later, she was like, remember when you did this? And she was excited. But that's not what I felt. What I felt once again, way too many years later, was the memory of her saying, well, that's nice, and there are plenty of other things to do. You don't need to worry about being an artist. (laughs) And although in her mind, and although in her mind, she might be, you might consider she was doing possibility thinking, right? There's a million things out there that Larry could do, but what I heard was, not this. (laughs) What what I heard was, you might be good at all kinds of things and this ain't one of them. I gotta tell you, that tape played through my head every time anything involving any kind of creativity came my way. And I dodged out of all kinds of projects in school that involved any kind of visual creativity. I dodged out of, uh, of any activities that uh, would be considered artistic or, uh, or, or require imagination because of one comment that someone who loved me said. Now, I suspect there are people here who still have tapes like that. And I, I have to tell you, I had to work purposefully, I had to work difficultly, and I had to work intentionally to get rid of that tape. I remember when I went to to college, uh, someone said I had a natural eye for photography and that I had taken art history class, and I was like, well, I can't do that. And it suddenly occurred to me, and maybe it was because I was away from my family environment for the first time, right? Maybe I ought to try this. Not that my mom uh, somehow I thought was going to leap forward again <laughs> and say you can't do that, right? That's not the way our minds work. But Because it was something I had owned. I had owned the idea that I wasn't good at that. So instead I had to com- uh, completely go out of my comfort zone. And one by one, when those thoughts of you're not going to be good at this, this is going to be extra hard for you, uh, you're going to be a bad student at this, you won't get the concept. I mean, you can see, even again another 40 years later, I can easily pull these things up because they were issues for me. Those tapes that play in your head are just as powerful as prayers. God is simply listening all the time because God is listening through your own mind and your own ears. This isn't something that we hide and that only comes to bear when we're in prayer. 
It's simply there, God acting as that agent of cause and effect, taking the beliefs that you have, the thoughts that you have, the heartfelt uh, truths that you hold to be true, whether they, whether they really are true or not doesn't matter. God is going to go what's in your heart and in your mind. And if you think you are unworthy, God will help you see evidence of unworthiness. If you believe that you're blessed, God will heap on the blessings. It's the way that law of cause and effect works. In fact, I got a joke about it, if you'll permit me. It's a bit corny, but uh, if you'll permit me. So two college professors joined a hunting camp. As they entered their cabin, they noticed an unusual stove. It was set on posts about four feet high off the floor. Well, the professors decided to test their understanding of the law of cause and effect and figure out why it was the way it was. Well, said one, the man has discovered that heat emanating from the stove strikes the roof and that it radiates down better when the stove is higher in the room. The cause is radiant heat and the effect requires that the stove be elevated. The other professor, being more practical, thought the stove was set high so that a good supply of wood could conveniently be underneath the stove. And he said, well, the cause is convenient stoking, and therefore the stove needs to be raised off the floor. Well, they argued, but finally they called the guide and asked why the stove had been built that way. Well, gentlemen, he explained, when I brought the stove up the river, I lost most of the stovepipe overboard. The cause of setting the stove up so high is so that the pipe can go through the roof. <laughs> now, the reason that I mention this is that cause and effect is personal. Now, I would like to think there are simple rules that apply to all of us, but the reality of the matter is what you believe to be true for you will be true in your own life. Regardless of what other people say, regardless of what is true for most people, do you like those most peoples out there, those people that seem to set up the standards of beauty and smartness and all kinds of stuff, right? Those people with whom we tend to measure ourselves and we often fall short of those measurements that those other people set? You see, that's BS. The reality is... It can just be true for you. What is in your heart is true enough. So if you truly believe that you are going to be a fine artist, you will be. If you truly believe you're going to be one of the best moms or dads on the planet, you will have that experience of life. If you truly believe that you can do something and have an open attitude and some passion around it, that, that open heart then those desires of you will be visible in the world. There will be nothing, in fact, that can hold you back because God is on your side. God has your back. God will be co-creating with you the effect of your mental cause. So how do we approach this? How can we move forward? How can we make progress in this? And you know, uh, in honor of... Uh, uh, of our celebration of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, I'm going to completely steal one of his sermons. Am I going to get in trouble for this? Possibly. Shall we play along? 
So believe it or not, uh, this service, it's entitled A Tough Mind and a Tender Heart, Dr. King gave in Montgomery, Alabama, exactly 60 years ago. And I want to share about a third of it with you. Let us consider, oh, first of all, he's using uh, Matthew 10, 16. Be ye therefore as wise as as serpents and as harmless as doves. And so he says, let us consider first the need for a tough mind. And it's characterized by incisive thinking, realistic appraisal, and decisive judgment. The tough mind is sharp and penetrating. It breaks through the crust of legends and myths, and it sifts the true from false for each person. The tough-minded individual is astute and discerning. They have a strong, austere quality that makes for firmness of purpose and a solidness of thought and commitment. And then he goes on to say, but we must not stop with the cultivation of a tough mind. The gospel also demands a tender heart. (laughs) Tough-mindedness without tender-heartedness is cold and detached leaving one's life in a perpetual winter devoid of warmth, devoid of the gentle heat of summer. Jesus frequently illustrated the characteristics of the hard-hearted. The rich fool was condemned not because he was not tough-minded, but rather because he was not tender-hearted. Life for him was a mirror in which he saw only himself, not a window, window through which he could see others. Jesus reminds us that the good life combines the toughness of the serpent, that idea of a focused, clear mind of what you want, what you'll have, what should be true for you in particular, and the tenderness of the dove, that open-hearted ability to receive and give freely. We must combine these strongly marked antitheses. Do you see, it doesn't matter if you're a Southern Baptist or a science of mind teacher. The truth is, cause and effect is real, and the degree to which we can have some control over our minds, we will be able to build a better life for ourselves. And it also necessitates our open-heartedness with which we approach life, the, the tough mind and the open heart. So uh, one of the things, some of you who don't come here regularly may not realize is this, I assign homework. Did you warn them? (laughs) Did you warn them that there's homework? Well, one of the ways to look at cause and effect, we can look at it backwards. And it's kind of interesting. And this is part of your homework, so listen up. Believe it or not, if cause and effect is true, and I'll have you evaluate it this week to see if it isn't true for you, look at your life. Your life is an outpicturing of your thoughts. Your life is the effect. Your thinking is the cause. So if you want to know what you've been thinking about a lot over the last few years, look at your life. And so all of the good things going on in your life, you're loving your re- relationships, your wonderful kids, your, your career, your joy of being, your, um, the relationships that you have with your neighbors, the, the wonderful apartment you live in, all of that you have created through the power of your thinking. Congratulations. And, and... 
if there's something in there that isn't quite working right, if some of those relationships aren't as good as you would like, if you're not living in the situation that ideally you see yourselves in, or if there is room for improvement, the also the good news is, is you can do something about it because you can change your thinking. You can change your thinking and your life will respond to it. It's the basic teachings here. It runs throughout Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermons as well. It's one of those spiritual principles that have existed since the beginning of time. There's no secret here. Although in the movie, The Secret, they pretended it was a secret, right? It's simply a fact where our mind goes, so our life follows. Our thoughts literally become things. And so your homework this week, I would like you all just to take a look at your life and congrats yourself on the wholeness of your thoughts and the openness of your heart for everything that's going well and good and beautiful. And I would like you also just to take a look to see if you can pinpoint maybe some of the thoughts and beliefs that are causing some of the things in your life to not be what you'd like them to be. And that's all I ask for this week, just to notice. Just to notice that we're responsible through our thinking, through our beliefs, and through how we open or not our hearts, that we're responsible for the bulk of what we see and perceive and live in the world. That's all I'm asking you to do this week. Next week, we're going to be a little more prescriptive. Next week, we're going to talk some more about what we can do proactively to begin changing that thinking. Make sense? Okay, I'm going to close today with a, a quote from the Science of Mind textbook. This is the end of this third chapter um, that is called What It Does. Ernest Holmes, the founder of mind, uh, Science of Mind, says, When we think, something happens to our thoughts. The field through which thought operates is infinite and co-creates with spirit itself. Here and now, we are surrounded by and immersed in an infinite good. How much of this infinite good is ours? All of it. How much of this good may we have to use? As much of it as we can think of and embody. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. We've been talking about it as the thing itself. I, I call it God. And what I know about God is that it is present in every person, every place, everything, every situation throughout the cosmos. It is that which is seen as well as unseen. It's simply all there is. And because of that, I know that it means me. I know that it means you. I know that it means everyone throughout this universe is an individualized light of the whole light of God itself that each one of us is divinely inspired and divinely created, and in fact that God is working through us to get so many wonderful things done on this planet. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has the power to monitor and modify their thoughts, to begin learning how to project more positivity in the world through their thinking and therefore through their choices and through their lives. That each person here has perhaps a little more willingness today to notice the effects of their lives are caused by their thinking. 
caused by their beliefs, caused by their open or closed heart, and that we can make a difference. That if we choose to lead different lives, all it requires is thinking differently, is choosing wisely, is opening our hearts so that what is reflected back to us is more joy, more love, more peace, more abundance, more health, more happiness. And so for this, I give thanks. I give thanks for the face of God showing up here every Sunday, the face of God showing up every day and every minute, right? I give thanks for all of this. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you for being here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.